1: Hello and welcome to After Extra Time This week hosted by the Millwall one, Jacko Uh, Due to the unanimous rejection of Project Diva Greeny has thrown his toys out the pram And not participated this week But don't worry lovers of the not so famous one He will be back next week Um with me this week, as always, the ever-present in the side, uh, Mr Jack Dogsbury, how are we? Yeah, I'm all good, mate, yeah,
0: always ever-present,
1: Yeah, you know. I know, well, I think we're going to have to start finding him week's wages if he's not turning up at this rate. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, he always used to have a go at me as well. and now Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, but he's the famous one, so he, he thinks he can get away with it. I don't know, I don't think that's any exception. No, nah. Greeny, if you're listening, mate, it's not obvious.
0: Yeah, sort yourself out.
1: Um, right then, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask how we've been, but I don't think you've been watching football this weekend after Friday. <laughs> really.
0: I've watched a bit, mate. Yeah, <laughs> same old again. Um,
1: yeah, we'll, we'll start with um, the early kick off on Saturday because I was hoping I'd have a week where we didn't have controversy or. <laughs> if we could try and get Akil back on and he can try and discuss what well, what happened on Saturday. Because I, I hate having to talk about it. I really, really do. But I love doing it at the same time. Um, so those of you that have been hiding for two days, Liverpool played Everton in what I considered probably the biggest game of Everton season um, up to date. Um, and it finished in a remarkable fashion. Um, to all on Saturday afternoon, Jack. What do you make of the game?
0: I mean, yeah, I think like you said, it was there was a lot of controversial stuff that happened. Um, I think you know Liverpool showed their intent early on. Um, they started the game like a steam, game, which I think you'd expect, really, seeing as the result of Villa before their international break. Um, yeah. But I think Michael Keane summed it up. I think in an interview on after uh, the game. Combined Everton would have rolled over there and got beat mm. come to me, but you know, they fought back and uh you know, rightly or wrongly they they picked a point out. Yeah. But yeah, I I'm, go
1: I'm gonna have to. What did you make of the decisions that did or did not go Liverpool's way this weekend? Um I'd mainly have to say did not Yeah. on the balance of it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think, I mean,
0: I'm not Liverpool's biggest fan at all, um, but I think should have stood. It was quite clearly onside. Um, I'm not sure what they've seen to give it offside, personally. Mm. Um, the second, the, the the Van Dyke one, uh, I don't, I think the fact that it was offside, you know, you clouded it massively in, and that said that you know, the, I can't remember who was on VAR. Um, for the I'm trying to think, I can't remember. Oh,
1: um, I think it was,
0: yeah, whoever it was, anyway. Does it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter? And they said they were so busy doing the offside, they didn't even look at the red card. I mean, I mean, it's a red card, and any other anywhere on the pitch, anywhere, any other players, yeah. it's a red card. Um, it's a horrible tackle,
1: yeah.
0: It ultimately ended Van Dyke's season, yeah. Um and I think anyone from any of the clubs, regardless of who it was on, it's, it's a red card, you know. There's, the, oh, the tackle kind of speaks for itself, you know. He's done his ACL, he's going to be out for, what, seven or eight months?
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's
0: a disgusting tackle. It's a red card. I, yeah.
1: I, I, yeah, I was going to say, in, in your opinion, is it a red card? Yeah, for me, for me
0: it's a no-brainer. Um,
1: and that sort of begs the question, really, that in in the in the second half, Richarlison gets sent off for the challenge on Thiago mm. because, but he's seen that, and it's a late challenge. Yeah, so why is the Van Dyke one different to the Thiago one? Honestly, uh,
0: there's no explanation for me. I mean, they're both two bad tackles. Yeah, they're both two red cards. I mean, I don't. I just just because it's offside doesn't mean that you should be you know excuse that tackle. That tackle makes an awful tackle. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no difference whatsoever. It really isn't. Um, I just it, it baffles me sometimes. Mm. Um, you know, we find ourselves trying not to talk about you know controversial things, and yet week in week out there seems to be something new that happens. And if it's yeah. not hum, if it's not handballs, it's offside. If it's not offside, it's red cards. If it's not red cards, you know it, it's. I don't know, I don't goals disallowed or, yeah, it's, there's always something. And the, the the worrying thing is that, actually, I think the Premier League, in terms of football playing played, is probably one of the best we've seen for a long time. Mm. There's not a lot of nil-nils, there's a lot of goals, the games are entertaining. And yet, somehow, we're still talking about VAR. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I think they're both ready cards and I think the offside is... I mean I've no idea. Are they drawing imaginary lines on? Are they Well
1: this is this is where I you know they, they changed because they changed well from what I heard on match of the day yesterday. Yeah because they changed the handball law, the offside law has changed to where the point of origin is mm. for those that are offside. Now what and, and Gary Lineker pointed it out, what they seem to be forgetting that is if they're level, they're onside, yeah. Now, if it's the case that it's a marginal one, by I mean by a millimetre, mm. surely that's just being overcautious with it. Well, yeah, I think. Before, or is, it, is it a case that if you know the, the sticklers for the game out there would say, well, by law, if he's offside, he's offside. Yeah, but, but I think before but then we get situations like we did yesterday. Yeah. Where it's, you know, one frame he's behind play, one frame ahead he's in front of play. Yeah. And they've managed to pause, or, you know, they've tried to pause it in between and whether or not they can get it in time, they've either got him onside or offside.
0: Yeah, I think if you look before VAR, we had we gave the benefit of the doubt to the attacking team, didn't we? So, yeah, I think maybe we should go back to that a little bit. I think, you know... Um, for me, I just, I, I can't see anything wrong with the goal at all. I, I really can't. Um, I just, like I say, I think I, I don't want to get caught up talking about the AAR because, you know, we've spoken a lot about it on this podcast. Yeah. I don't want it to... Cloud what was probably, you know, it was a very good game of football. Um, yeah. And, you know, Everton, like I said, rightly or wrongly, you know, got their point and it's a big point for them. Um, yeah, But, yeah, I just think at times we've got to go back to enjoying the actual game of football rather than yeah. trying to make it you know computerized and technology and all this whereas you know it's, it's kind of sucking the fun out of the game if you will
1: yeah no i I, I agree um, I, well, I, we'll go on to the positive side of things um, as you say it was a good game of football yeah. a- apart from the the horrific tackles and the Controversial decisions that did go against Liverpool. Yeah. Um. Calvert Lewin. I mean, I, I don't think we can. I don't think we can ever stop talking about how well he's playing at the minute.
0: No. Um. He's man very much in form. Um. He's honestly, I don't think I, other than probably Ronaldo, I don't think I've ever seen anyone leap as well as he does for a header. Mm. Yeah. Um. He's such an aerial threat and. I mean, he's obviously so young as well. So, I mean, potentially the sky's the limit, really, you know, if he keeps, yeah, you know, he's 23, 24, I think.
1: Uh, Could you see him up there challenging for Harry Kane status? I think at the moment, probably not. But,
0: I mean, if he keeps continuing what he's doing this season and he continues to do it consistently, then absolutely. Um I just, you know, I'm sure he, you know, if you asked him at the moment in an interview, he'd you know, give you all the media trained, oh, I'm just keeping my feet firmly on the floor. But if he keeps scoring goals week in, week out, and does it every season for the next five, ten years, then Mm. absolutely, you know, I can't see no reason why we couldn't be. But, you know, I think to be considered a great, you have to do it consistently, and you have to do it season in, season out. So, yeah, but I, I can see... Potentially, down the future, if he continues to do so, then, yeah, there's no reason why he can't be in that bracket. Yeah.
1: Um, James, mm. what a player he is. Unbelievable, Simon. Um, you know, there, there was... I, I, sort of, I was looking, I was watching the game this morning mm-hmm. and I was watching James and you sort of sat there and thought, if he's consistent, he's up there with De Bruyne, in my opinion, for what he can create for that side. But I've not seen a bad performance out of him since he's come over.
0: Yeah, he's very, very consistent. And I
1: just, I seriously think <laughs> if they can keep him fit, yeah, along with Aran and the and you know Calvert Lewin carries on his form. I, I, I'm seriously backing. I'm, I'm seriously putting a little bit of money on Everton winning the league this year.
0: Yeah, um, I, I agree with you, mate. I think keeping their key players fit is definitely the key Um, you know they clearly have a lot of momentum as well at the minute so I I can't see no reason why you know to keep them fit that they really yeah I think if they can get to Christmas still flying then seriously people have got to consider them as title contenders Um, but I think if they can get the luck with players not getting injured and you know, you've got a nice, nice, very, very good run of form at the minute, then yeah, I, I
1: can't see why not. And I think you, you need to get your money on sooner rather than later, otherwise your price is going to go in. Mm. Um, and just quickly, one last thing about Liverpool before we move on to uh, mm. the, the other game from yesterday. With Van Dijk now being out for a considerable amount of time, is it a case where you sort of look back at Liverpool's transfer policy in the summer and realise that, not bringing in a centre back has been a massive mistake. Yeah, I think I know. I know hindsight's all well and good, but yeah. I'm pretty sure we discussed it at the back end of last season and sort of halfway through the, the sort of off season that Liverpool needed to strengthen with a centre back, and they've not done it.
0: Yeah, no. I th-
1: and I just feel that the, with Gomez, is he's been out of form at the start of this season. Matip obviously comes in and out. Yeah. They're going to be your starting centre backs for the next, well, to the end of the season um, until January. Yeah, surely he has to go out and get centre half in this uh, in January.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think like you said, I was going to say we mentioned it on the pod, um, and I mean it's ultimately it's come back to bite them. I mean, like you say, hindsight is a wonderful thing, and you know nobody would have seen Van Dyke being out for the season so early on. Um, but yeah, I just think you've gotta if you're sort of operating at a top level that Liverpool were um you you know you have to anticipate everything you know you you know they didn't get many injuries lasses or don anything well not no long term ones
1: really um well not none, none to the major players yeah. I
0: don't think i i, th- I think they, that's sort of the key thing, but yeah, I think they needed to strengthen uh, ultimately, mm-hmm. and they didn't and now they've got to play with a sort of weakened defense for at least three months.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, two well, two and a half months, three months. Um sh- I mean surely Klopp's gotta you know, whether it, whether it even be alone or something and they try and find someone that right. you know or you know, the, whether they splash big and go somewhere like Koulibalet or I mean I don't know. Um yeah.
1: but yeah, I think they've gotta strengthen come, you know,
0: January. I don't think Gomez and Matip does not really sort of fill me with confidence, you know, at the minute.
1: You know. Not with Adrian in goal, right? Well, definitely
0: not either. I mean, I don't think any of that defence currently, other than probably. I mean, even Alexander Arnold hasn't started the season
1: as well as he did last
0: year. Uh, I think Robertson played well um, on Saturday. Yeah, I think
1: Robertson's carried on his attacking prowess. Yeah, but I think he's part of a collective that have not defended well. Yeah, I'd I'd
0: agree. I think they've. they've, Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, mate. I think they've. But I think. Yeah, I think with those injuries as well, that will only sort of make that situation worse, if you will. I don't, I don't mm. think they're going to struggle at the back. Um, can their forward players sort of get them out of trouble for the next couple of months? We'll have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, talking of defences, or lack of, um, I'm going to move to a couple of the games. Well, one from yesterday and one from today. Chelsea, Southampton and Spurs, West Ham. <laughs> Now, both Chelsea and Tottenham were comfortably ahead. And defensively, they've capitulated. All right, yes, the Lanzini goal in the last minute today was an absolute worldie. But they were poor defensively against set pieces in the last 10 minutes, which you knew West Ham were going to push forward for anyway, because that's how they operate. Southampton was similar... Yesterday against Chelsea, but it's come back to bite Kepper again. I don't know. I don't know what you made of him.
0: Yeah, um, I think. Well, I can speak from experience. I mean, obviously, in terms of derby, you know, going two, three goals up. I mean, you've got to. I don't know if it's complacency or just mm. just shit errors. I mean, it's probably about both. Um, you've got to kill games off. Even at 3-0, you've got to think that, you know, it's that old cliche that it's 0-0 and you, and you go again. Um, yeah. Chelsea are just, defensively, they're all over the place. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's, there's some stats that are saying that Chelsea in like the last 100 games or something, had only kept like 18 mm. clean sheets or something and they conceded, conceded like 99 goals or something. So... It's all well and good spending, you know, like 100 mil, 200 mil on your attacking players as well. But I think, you know, well, clearly their problem is defensively. Um, Mm. I think you got a slight glimpse of Havertz and Werner playing at their best, you know, with a third goal for Chelsea. But, you know, if you can't see games out and you can't defend properly. And, you know, I think even with the first first, um, Southampton goal, Havertz sort of gave the ball away or tried to escape and it didn't work. You know, Southampton won the ball away, and it was a goal. Um, I think I spoke to one of my mates yesterday and said, you know, Havertz might get away with that against a Bundesliga side, but in the Premier League, you know, you'll get punished. So, yeah, if you can't defend properly and and you you don't see games out properly, and whether that be through complacency or errors, you're never going to win games. And I think the the Tottenham game, like you said, it was a worldy, but you know, was there a need to give the free kick away? Did they, you know, clear the ball away properly? You know, there's loads of little things. But, I mean, if you watched the first 15 minutes of the yeah. Tottenham game, you'd have thought Tottenham were going to win the game 6 or 7 nil. You wouldn't have expected a draw. So, Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, at the moment, I know it's very entertaining for us as neutrals, but if you're a Spurs or Tottenham fan, you know, you've got to be concerned, yeah. Um, but,
1: obviously, Werner and Havertz both got goals yesterday for Chelsea. Um, I'll take, you know... That has got to be some sort of relief off their shoulders that they've been able to sort of break, break into sort of scoring in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, I think Vernon um, more so than Havertz at the minute needed goals, mm. uh, and that'd be a, sort of like a weight off his shoulders now that he's got his first cup in the Premier League. Um, as I yeah. said earlier, I think their third goal was a nice bit of football, um, mm. but you know, it, if their defense is going to defend like that and Kep is going to make mistakes again, then Chelsea just have to outscore teams, Um, but but yeah, I think that's a sort of um, more relief than anything for Werner uh, with his goals. I think, but I think it will give them confidence going into the next couple of games.
1: Um, From the sort of perspective of Southampton and West Ham, they obviously, you know, obvious cliche, they're going to be have massive confidence coming out of those two games now with the results that they've got. Don't you think?
0: Hello,
1: yeah. Yeah, you there, mate? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll ask the yeah, question again. It's not, it's um, not no, that's right. Um, the obvious comment to make is Southampton and West Ham are going to be boosted by their results this yeah. week. You know, uh, with, with especially with West Ham, seeing as Moyes was obviously away from the managerial side of it for a couple of weeks. And then he's come back and he's got a point. Do you do you, do you think that gives him confidence that he can carry on the job, or do you sort of sit there and think, well, again, it's one of those where don't you know they they were quite they were doing quite well beforehand. Do they really need Moyes there in charge? Uh,
0: I think sort of fifty um, fifty. It, it's sort of dependent on how much input Moyes had when he was away. Um, I don't know whether he had a massive input or whether he had you know he took a step back and. Thingy, I think um they were going very well before he was before he came back in. Um but I think him sort of coming back in, he'll be sort of pleased with what he saw today, you know, the fact that it's obviously not the first half. Um you know, yeah. obviously he must have said something at half time and that clearly worked. So maybe you'd say maybe they do need him there. Would would that have happened had he not been there? Who knows? Um yeah. you don't know. Um but I think, you know, I think he can, he can be happy with that point. And, you know, I think they've not lost in three games now. So, you know, there's a little bit of momentum there for West Ham. Yeah. Um, moving
1: on to the, the late game, or one of the late games last night, um, Man City Arsenal at the Etihad. Um, a bit of controversy, but not for VAR reasons. Uh, did you see the game yeah, last yeah. night? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, what did you... Um, Obviously, they're saying that Aguero will not be getting any sort of retrospective action against yeah. him. Do you think he's got away with something after what he did uh,
0: there? I do and I don't. I think if that was a male linesman, it wouldn't have been an issue. I think because it's a, because it was a female, it makes it more heightened.
1: But, it, you know, there, there is always that sort of argument where a, fi- a player shouldn't be putting their hands on officials anyway. So, it, it, you know, regardless of whether or not it was a yeah. male or female Lines should he have done it I, in
0: the first. I think play? the straight answer to that is no. I think, you know, you, you yeah. not so much these days now, the like in this you know, this like timing football you don't really see like players touching the reference stuff, but obviously in years gone by you did. Um I think <laughs> that's the only issue you'd say, you know. I think he shouldn't be, you know, raising his hands to anyone and putting his hands on anyone's sort of shoulders yeah. or that. Uh, I think maybe he sort of got away with it. I think you'd have to say. But yeah. for me I think I thought personally it was more heightened because it was a female, but obviously like you say, you know, you shouldn't really be touching anyone, just, you know, regardless of their gender.
1: Yeah. Um, apart from apart from that, I, I thought it was a pretty... Dual game. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say lacklustre. I, I think both, both team, teams seemed to create chances in the first half, and then it became sort of a defensive chess game for the second half. Um, where sort of both sides were sort of trying, just trying to sort of outmaneuver the, the the other, but because they're sort of playing similar styles, it sort of negated anything. Yeah. And man city yeah. were just quite happy to sort of shut up shop. I don't know what you made of it. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. I think um sort of Man City sort of got that goal and then like you said it was sort of like a ta- more of a tactical affair and Sort of like counter, and I think Arsenal could have maybe gone at Man City a bit more. You know, they didn't mm. really show much guile or you know, any sort of strength in attack, like you said, it was sort of lackluster. So, I think you know, I think they could have had a, had a go at Man City. I think Man City a lot of the time are there for the taking defensively. Yeah. Um, and I think with some of the players that Arsenal have got going forward, they probably would have caused Man City problems, but didn't really get to see that because, like you say, they were. It was sort of a, a tactical sort of game. So, yeah, no, I think, it, you know, it's, it, it wasn't exactly exciting to watch. But I think Pep will be happy. They've got three points. Yeah. You know, they struggled in a couple of games before the international break. Where,
1: where do you see Man City and Arsenal finishing at the moment? Uh, I think top six for both. Yeah, yeah,
0: I don't know where. I think this season's been a little bit crazy so far, um, to say the least. It's just, I mean, it's so up and down each week, you know. You know, if you don't turn up or, you, you know, you're not switched on, then, you know, you're going to gonna struggle to win the game. Uh, yeah, I think top six, poten- potentially if Man City can get their act together, top four. But, you know, from yeah. what I've seen, I wouldn't be super confident on top four. No. Okay. Um, the,
1: the last game last night was Newcastle versus Manchester mm-hmm. United. Um, a pretty poor Newcastle side, if I'm being honest. I know we've sort of said that they've done well with the transfers they've brought in this season and it has been sort of their best season or best start to a Premier League season for a while. But, yeah, what did you think? Were they pretty, did, you, did you think they were pretty poor? Like- yeah, I don't think they offered
0: much. Um, I think, again, like Man City, uh, I think Man United were there to be taken at. Um, yeah, Newcastle didn't really do that. I know, obviously, they went one and up, and then from then on, they sort of sat back in the second half. They sat back even more, and it was like, you know, you need to go out, man, Man United, and try and get out and make the yeah, make mistakes happen. Um, you know, I thought at times Man United played quite well. You know, um, a couple of their goals are nice, um, but yeah, I, I didn't think. I think with the run of fixtures Newcastle got, they could be in trouble. Um, they have yeah. to pick up points and didn't really fill me with confidence in our performance last night that they're going to sort of pick up runner wins at, you know, at this current moment I don't think they you know I think I'm not too sure they just don't not really going much going forward and I think defensively they look you know pretty, pretty poor if I'm being honest so yeah I mean it looks like they're in for a struggle again this season which obviously Newcastle fans will be you know probably quite excited with their signings but I think you know, if based on current performances, then it's sort of relegation battle, back into them sort of yeah.
1: thing. Are you surprised that Man United didn't have, uh, well, I, I don't know if they did or not, but yeah, surprised they didn't bring on sort of Cavani or Telles? Um, like I think that?
0: Cavani was, is sort of having to quarantine or something. I don't know if it's like some sort right, of international okay. rule or something. I'm not sure. We spoke up with my, my uh, mate today while we were watching the football, but um, he wasn't available. Um, Tellez, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't play or even start. Um, but Luke Shot had quite a good game, to be fair. Um, yeah. I'm surprised the fact that Oli keeps benching Donny van der Um Played well when he came yeah. on as well. So, I mean, you know, I'm not too sure where that sort of puts him. You know, they sort of spent, you know, it wasn't a, well, that was a fair amount of money, you know, but they bought a player like that and then he's not. Starting, you know, so sort of begs the question as to what his sort of role is going to be at United,
1: yeah. Um, obviously, Fernandez matter well, sorry, Fernandez missed the penalty, but then obviously scored a good goal later and then set up Rashford. But matters sort of come back into the side now for obvious reasons because I, I, I think. If you and I were in charge of Man United, you would have changed the side after what happened before the international break. Are you pleased with how well Mata came in and played yesterday? Yeah, no, I think
0: he played, he played well. I think the one thing you're going to get with Mata he's creative. He's good on the ball. Um, he can pass. You know, he's quite agile on the ball as well. I just think the one thing he, he, he obviously lacks at the minute is his sort of pace and stuff like that. But I think he makes up for it in terms of his yeah. sort of his, his football and brain. Um. Like I say, he can pass the ball. He can create stuff, and I think, yeah, no, I think he'd you'd, you'd be pleased with Mata. And he's obviously keeping, you know, Pogba and Donny Van de Beek out the side, you know. And if he keeps playing like he did last night, and yeah. you know, long may continue for him.
1: Well, um, moving on to today's yeah. games, um, Palace play Brighton, and I'll, I'll mention our predictions because I've not mentioned mine yet. I did have. Everton and Liverpool drawing 2 all, So, I was quite glad that Henderson's goal was disallowed. And up to the 89th minute, I had Palace beating Brighton <laughs> 1-0. And then Alexis McAllister scores a, a really, really well-worked goal. Um, and that means you get the three <laughs> points because you had a one all draw. And I needed it
0: as well after the the rest of my <laughs> predictions. Jesus <laughs> Christ, yeah. No. Yeah.
1: Um, what, I, I found the game very one-sided and I was not surprised that Brighton came away with the draw. Um, you know, bearing in mind Palace had five touches in Brighton's penalty area for the, the entire game and one of those touches was a uh, half score in the penalty. Were you disappointed by Palace's turnout Yeah, today? I think you have to be um, regardless of being
0: a fan of Palace. Um, just lackluster again, I don't know sort of what Tactics they've set up with there. you know. Obviously, they're playing four four two, was it or three? Four? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you've got Benteke, not Benteke, got and Zaha at top. Um, you know, yeah. Zaha seemed very quiet. Um, just yeah, bizarre sort of tactics, and I, I don't know what Hodgson said to them. Um, you know, they're playing at home. Obviously, I know there's no fans and that, but you know, you just thought they were going to dom- not sort of dominate the ball, but at least sort of. 50-50 in terms of, you know, possession and chances and just, you know, Brighton dictated the game and like you said, I think they were fully deserved at their point and probably a little bit begrudged didn't they didn't take him mm-hmm. the three points really and, and the fact that one went down, sort of, for as long as they were, it was sort of, yeah, it was... <laughs> Zaha, you know, obviously scoring the penalty and it was a sort of shut-up shop and keep eleven men behind the ball and let's not even enter the opposition's yeah. half, which is, yeah, it's sort of it's like Mourinho tactics, you know, part of the bus and go from there but yeah. Yeah. do
1: you not do, do you not feel that that is the way that football seems to be going at the minute is that teams will try and go out for an early goal and then sort of soak up pressure while the opposition sort of get further forward and then they try and hit them on the counter yeah i think you see it a lot more these days than
0: than you used to i think actually i think for the premier league recently it's been quite good because you see both teams sort of attacking each other um but yeah i think yeah. I don't know if it's sort of like a European thing where teams sort of go one the up and then sit back, and, like you say, soak at the pressure, and then try to counter and sort of sucker punch teams. I mean, for me, yeah. it's not exciting, is it? You know, a team goes one the up and they camp in their own half and try and counter. I think you, you ideally, if it as a neutral, you just want to. Well, even as as a as a fan, you know, it's not exciting to watch your team doing that at all. Um, but I think you know, yeah. I, I'm not personally I'm not a massive fan. I mean. I can kind of see the point of view if you were sort of like a Fulham and you go to Chelsea and you get an early goal and then you sort of soak it up. But then again, I'd say if you the up against Chelsea or something like that, get at them because you know they're going to be under pressure. So, you know, I think yeah. it's frustrating to watch, but yeah, it sort of does creep in over the last couple of scenes more than it has, you know, in you know years gone by. Yeah.
1: Um, Sheffield United played Fulham, I believe, is the early... Early day of kickoff, yeah, um, and it finished one all with Mitrovic missing another penalty. Um, obviously, that's both teams' first points of the season. But I know it's early, and we've already talked about sort of the potential of Everton finishing or winning the title, and Man City finishing the top six. Can you see the likes of Sheffield United, Fulham, West Brom, Burnley struggling to stay up this season?
0: Yeah, I think you've got two relegation candidates that played each other at uh, lunchtime today. Um, I don't think a point does either of them a favour, really. Uh, you'd want to be taking three points from that game. It's sort of, sort of a six-pointer very early on. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think possibly your, your West Brom, Sheffield United and Fulham are looking like your you three at the moment. Possibly Burnley, Newcastle being dragged into that as well. Hmm. But yeah, I think you know, Fulham, Sheffield United definitely be down
1: there. Do, do you feel that Fulham may need to sort of move on from Mitrovic in January? Because obviously, from a championship point uh, perspective, for both you and I, he was one of the best strikers in the league last year. Yeah, but he, for whatever reason, I don't know if they change the style of play or they can't attack as well as they used to. But he seems very ineffective. In that league, do you think that Parker would need to go and get someone more prolific in in the winter?
0: Yeah, I think there's there's scope for that. Definitely, I think like you said, Mitrovic is a very very good championship striker. Has he sort of proved it in the Premier League? I suppose a little bit at Newcastle, but I mean at Fulham, he's not really sort of hit the ground running. Um, I don't know, like you said. I don't know whether they've changed their style or they've gone more defensive because they're playing in the Premier League or. I don't know. Maybe he's getting sort of nullified by defenders more because they know he's a threat and he's coming up against better quality defenders and they're just sort of soaking the pressure on him. I don't know. I think, you know, January looming, if he's sort of not scoring goals again, I think, yeah, you've got to try and find someone in the market that's sort of more suitable and maybe someone that's proven it in the Premier League. Mm.
1: Um, We're going to take a quick move up to Scotland. Okay. Because obviously (laughs) it was the first Old Firm game of the season this weekend and i had Celtic winning that quite comfortably yeah. whereas the the scoreline says different. I mean, how, how big a result is that for Gerald and Rangers this week? Yeah, it,
0: it's huge. Um You know, you, you've heard me on here a couple of times say that they're the, the games that sort of sway the title. Um So, yeah, I think that's massive. I think the fact that Celtic had a game in hand and they could have gone above them with the game in hand, if they beat Rangers as well. Um, yeah. it's, it's huge. Um, it keeps momentum going for Rangers. Um, and, you know, if they can keep the form they're in and then win the next old fan. I think the, the next old friend derby is obviously at Rangers as well. I know there's obviously probably no fans, but it's a massive... result. Yeah. I think in recent years gone by, Rangers have struggled in that fixture. So, you know, to t- sort of turn the form book on them, beat the fixtures against each other, yeah, it's, it's a huge huge win in there can only keep the momentum that, you know, Gerald and Rangers have got and just carry it on. Um uh,
1: from Lennon's perspective, obviously they've got their gaming hand. You're not overly worried yet, are you?
0: No, I think I think if they win their game in hand they're still a point behind Rangers. So there's no need yeah. there's no need yeah. to panic yet, still early doors. But um I think obviously when we get to sort of Christmas time, uh we'll sort of see where they're at again and sort of reassess but I don't think there's no need to panic yet for Celtic I think they're still sort of well in the running um, you know both teams could slip up you know but I think more than likely um, you know Celtic will win their game in hand and they'll go a point behind and you know pressure's still sort of on them at one point
1: yeah how do you, how do you see them doing in Europe
0: uh, I think they'll struggle um, I think their group's tough I think they play AC Milan this week coming up I think um, which obviously isn 't easy um no, I just think they always seem to to struggle in europe i don 't know what it is I mean recently more more than you know, I remember was it like it was sort of ten years ago when they beat Barcelona and they had like one shot um yeah but yeah recently, I think in recent years they've sort of struggled um you know i think uh i 'm not too sure they 'll even get out of the group if I'm honest uh, no but yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know. They might shock us, but I just, I've just, seen Australia in that group being perfectly honest.
1: Is that the sort of situation that you see the Scottish sides in Europe now? That they're sort of there to make up the numbers?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, kind of, yeah.
1: I, th- I think,
0: um, you know, Rangers obviously got to the, was it the quarter-finals of the Europa League last year? Um, yeah. They came up against, you know, a team far superior in Bayern Leverkusen. You know, um, yeah. the run to get as far as they did was very, very good. You know, they went on a very good run. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of them sort of challenging in the, for the you know, the title into the last stages of the competition, you, you, I can't see it. Unfortunately, um, I just think, like you say, they're sort of making the numbers up and sort of they'd be lucky to sort of get out of their group.
1: Yeah. Um, sorry, we, we seem to be rushing through it, listeners. In I so do apologize, but. We're, we were supposed to have a guest on, but because the, the not-so-famous one Project, is not Project here. Diva. Week, uh, Project Diva. Um, we've had to postpone our interview here this week. Um, so we're going to move on to the Championship now because I reluctantly want to talk about it. I know you don't want to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. But we're going to, um, because then what's the point of talking about football if we're not going to talk about it? So we'll start with the Friday game.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop playing on a Friday. Yeah. Well, we're not. Um, we're playing on Friday again this following week.
1: Exactly. Stop playing on a Friday. Um, you've got to be disappointed with that result. Yeah. You?
0: I blame Sky for putting us on Friday night.
1: Um, yeah. Or was that? Or were you sort of expecting a tough game against the team that's just come down and they've started the season? Yeah.
0: It's, a bit of both, actually. Um, I think if you watch the game, it was good as the shorter. Um both teams looked like they were playing for a point. Uh, ultimately, the game's been won by a very, very good goal, which, you know, you, sometimes you have to stand back and say, you know, what can you do? Um, yeah, great goal. Um, other than that, I think we... I'm, 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 do you know what? Say we lost. I'm fairly... I'm pleased with the performance in terms of the fact that we defended relatively well and nullified them. I think the only yeah. concern would be, obviously, we lost the game, but that was obviously to a worldie. Um, but attacking wise we were sort of a little bit lackluster um we didn't really create a lot it was a bit of a dull dull game to watch but i think you've got to bear in mind that we were missing about five or six you know attacking players you know so bring them into the sort of side and i think the way we defended the way we kept them at bay um is a positive you know they they got uh, relegated from the premier league and they're a team that will probably be You know, up there coming into the season, you know, so it's it's sort of, uh, yeah, we lost, but there's some positives to take from it, and we move on to Tuesday night. I think.
1: Who have you got on Tuesday? We've got
0: Huddersfield at Huddersfield.
1: So yeah, it's a a a
0: tough game, but I mean, if we can try and, we've got two, well, every game's a big game, but we've got two games that I think sort of around where we are in the league as well this week. So
1: you know. Um, I'll talk about our game yeah. because I don't know how we've got a win out of that well no I do know how we've got a win out of it we should have won by more however the result is, is unjustified for Wickham and I will accept that you know what Bielkowski was doing <laughs> for the goal I don't know I mean that's that is some form of rush of shit to the brain and and to be fair to row it he came out and said i'm not having a go at him for the performances he's put in for Millwall for the last sort of season and a bit yeah. he's kept us in games and he's gave us wins when we shouldn't have got a result so it's one of those where he, he's allowed one every now and then yeah i get i i, I like the fact that he wants us to try and play out the back, but I do get frustrated that we've got a six foot six block sitting just past the halfway line, and he decides that he's not going to get rid of it, he's going to try and fluff it around and outpace a striker that's quicker than he is. Um, so that didn't start off well. We then should have had a penalty when Bradshaw was brought down by their centre half. Because you you physically can see the guy pushing at his back as he's going to sort of try and reach for it, then we got a penalty just after half time anyway, which was a penalty because the right backs basically just wrestled into the ground um, and then came the, the the controversial moment, which you know when looking at it in real time, I don't understand why he's disallowed it yeah. You know, it's a it's a free goal from a corner. Wickham have obviously used that at times. I think they did it against Fleetwood in the play. Yeah. Um. I don't know what the linesman or the referee have seen to disallow that goal. I don't. I really, really don't. Um. Dean Ashton on on the EFL show last night said he thought he saw Kashket sort of pull Bielkowski's arm away so that Bielkowski's momentum couldn't carry him towards the ball looping over his head. But even so, you sort of do question what on earth went on there. Luckily, though, um, Leonard scored a worldie of a goal from just outside the area, and we then did what Mill will do, which is defend our nads off for the next sort of 20 minutes to see out the game. Um I'm frustrated again by the lack of I'm not liking the way we're playing at the minute. He changed the formation to be fair he played 442 whereas he's been playing his 343 for the last 6 months or so. Um but I just feel that at the minute Mills best chance of holding a defensive lead is by playing three midfielders. And we've got three of them in Leonard, Woods and Thompson. And they're by far our best three central midfielders at the club. So why he's reluctant to play them, I don't know. Wallace was superb. Um, how he's still at Millwall, I don't know. <laughs> um, I really, really don't. You know, there was a time... Sort of before last season, where we sort of said that he was out of form, and so his the creativity that he gave last season wasn't there. And then he had last season, and we sort of sat there going, "If we keep him, we're amazed." Yeah. Uh, but if he carries on with the way he's playing, and a team is looking for a pacey winger to sort of try and get him up the field quick, I can see them see someone going for him. So that's a frustration if it does come true, but hopefully the, the club will be sensible enough to sort of accept or say to them, "We expect, well, we will accept nothing less than ten million because that's what he is worth to me. Yeah. Um, moving on to the rest of the weekend's games, though, it's amazing. Brentford were the only side to win at home this weekend. Oh, sorry, Watford. Watford and Brentford were the only two sides to win at home this weekend.
0: Watford were away. Uh, sorry. Watford were away. We we played at home.
1: Oh, Watford were away. Yeah. All right, so yeah, so I know. what I was You're sorry, right. The first time. You're so, right. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, so with that being said because I think the week the week before the international, no, the week we played Brentford, which was 2 weeks before the international break, there was only one side that won at home that weekend as well. Yeah given the unpredictability of the championship this uh, you know the way that it has been for the last sort of 6 months can you see that carrying on until fans get back in the stadium yeah um
0: i think well you know you look at this weekend and i think that's a prime example um i think even Koku mentioned it in his interview uh, post match yeah. he said that we've lost five games at home and last last yeah. season we were first or, or second or third maybe maybe even joint top mm. uh, in terms of best home record in the division. So, yeah. I mean, that m- has some sort of effect. You know, you don't go from being one of the best sides in the league at home to losing five at, at home in a row. It doesn't, you know, it was a, in terms of recent years, it was a bit of a fortress, you know, Pride part We didn't really, really lost at home and now we've lost five in a row. So, you know, I think it's going to have an effect, um, you know, atmosphere, hostility. It, it takes its toll, you know. Um and you know, you, you moan at the time, but at the end of the day, all teams are going to play home and away. So yeah. there's nothing, and in the current situation, there's not really anything we can do change that at the minute. So it's a sort of grin and bear it, and try and deal with the situation as best you can in terms of if you're at home or you're away.
1: Yeah, well, I think they're talking about the, uh, the obviously Preston play Cardiff today, yeah. and Preston lost. Um, and they were talking about Preston's home record and how that's been really formidable. And to be fair, Millwall's is as well. Millwall's home record under Harris and under Rowett before the, the lockdown, it was a really tough place to go. Yeah, you, you know, teams coming to the Den, were all, unless they were the, the small team sort of playing the underdog, Millwall were always getting results. Yeah, I think um, it's definitely we have I- home yet. You know, we we haven't won at home. We we drew with Stoke, we drew with Brentford. We um, we we just we, we just don't look the same. And I, I just feel that a bit like you with Derby, that I think they need to get a win at home, Just yeah. to sort of get that confidence back up. But we've got a big week because we play Luton on Tuesday, in Barnsley on on Saturday. Yeah, we've got
0: Forest on Friday.
1: So you know, we we. We don't do well against the smaller clubs. We don't do well against Luton and Barnsley, to be fair. So, we've got to play the pair of them at the same time or in the same week. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the fact that it's more unpredictable. It means I can't put an Acker on so Yeah, no chance. No chance. The week, the week you end up going for all the away go, away teams to win, one of them all lose. <laughs> yeah, all the team
0: home team team team. teams will win. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so it's it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, obviously, Bournemouth drew with QPR 0-0 and Norwich won against Rotherham with a late penalty. Are we starting to see what, you know, the fact that those three, them, Watford and Bournemouth, are going to be up there or thereabouts?
0: Yeah, I think more so Bournemouth and Watford
1: at the moment. Obviously, they're both in their
0: top six and then Norwich are 10th uh, or 11th, I think. Um, but I think, yeah, they're just sort of finding their feet. Maybe Norwich, you know, the obviously uh, inside the season great but then I think yeah I think all three of them will probably be there or whereabouts in the top six I think that's just the nature of the beast in terms of relegated teams coming down in the first season you know if, if you can get back up in the first season then you know if not then you're sort of in a, a dogfight to sort of yeah. try and get promoted every year you know that first season's critical if you can go straight back up then you know that's that's where you want to be and I think all of them will be definitely foreign to do that
1: yeah. Um Forrest, obviously new manager this week in, in Hooton. Um I know you want to talk about it. Um went away to Blackburn, I believe, yesterday and won one nil. I mean that's a, a big result for Houghton, But it's a surprising one with all the players that Blackburn have brought in over the last week.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, Blackburn have brought in um, Blackburn Blackburn have brought in some good players.
1: Um do, do you see Blackburn making a push for the, the the top six now? Then with the players that they've bought in? This yeah, team? I think they do. I think they've
0: they've brought in some really good players. I think you know definitely Harvey Elliott um, being one of the you know the key ones as well. I think they already had sort of like a decent mm. squad, regardless of that. Um, you yeah. know, it hurts me to say because it it's Greenie's pick or he so likes to call it. Um, yeah, I think they've they've got to. Um, you know, you can't sort of bring in all these players and then sort of flop. You know, the sort of expectation. Yeah. You know, you bring in those sort of players, and you, there's an air of expectation for them. So, yeah, I think, like you said, it was a shock that they lost the Forest, but I think they'll be um, sort of. I'll not even say a surprise package because I
1: think with the squad they've got, they should be aiming for the top six. So yeah. Um, are you nervous now about the, the, the East Midlands derby on Friday night?
0: Yeah, uh, I think if we can't sort of get a result at Huddersfield on Tuesday and Forrest pick up a win against, you know, they've got Rotherham at home, so that's sort of a chance for them to get another victory. I think if we go into that, having lost our last two games after the international break, and they've won both their games, we're sort of, you know, we're not in a great position. Um, You know, obviously, we've got to go away as well. You know, I know, obviously, there's no fans, but our record at, you know... um, I want to say Trent Bridge, but it's not Trent Bridge. It? It's the city ground. Um, <laughs> I wish rather, I'd rather anyway. play at Trent Bridge. I um, record, yeah. record at the city ground isn't great either. So I think for us, going into that game on Friday, we have to sort of get a result at Huddersfield. And that gives us a, a little bit of momentum going into the Forest game.
1: Yeah. Um, going on to Brentford, because obviously they they lost their big two attacking players in Ben Benrahma and Watkins this in the last what, couple yeah. of weeks. Um, but obviously, they, they, as I said, they, they were the only side to win at home this weekend. Do you, do you think that Frank will have enough to sort of push them back into the playoffs this season? Or do you see them slipping a little bit more because they haven't got Watkins or Benrahma now?
0: Yeah, I think they've got the squad to do it. Um, do they have that extra firepower to sort of help them get there? No. Um, I think you know. I think they do. Do I think they will? Maybe not. Um, I don't know. I think they're capable of doing it. It's just whether or not you know, they're sort of, they match winners as it were. Um, obviously yeah. aren't there anymore, so they're probably more susceptible to losing games. But I mean, you know, they've definitely got a good enough squad to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Ivan Tony's. Was a was a relatively big money move for sort of Peterborough losing their best player. He's now started scoring in the championship. Do you think he can sort of get close to emulating Watkins from last season?
0: Uh, he's got a tough job on his hands. If he does, um, I think he struggled yeah. the first couple of games. Um, obviously, with his finding his feet in a different team and a system and stuff like that. So you know he can be excused. But yeah, he seems to be finding his feet now. You know, he's is he five and five? I think. Um. Uh, so yeah, mm. if he can. Keep scoring goals and that, and sort of take the Watkins role, and you know, winning the games. You know, then you know, who's to say that you know they won't finish that up suit.
1: No, um, obviously your, your derby's opponents on Tuesday, a big win for them this weekend. Um, I just feel that if they were to carry on with the form that they had, I could see them losing, the, or the manager going within the next sort of couple of weeks. Were, were you surprised by their result? On, on the yeah, weekend.
0: Um, I didn't expect them to get anything out of uh, going to Swansea. So yes, yeah, it's, it's a shock. Um, like you say, it's a, it's a win they needed um, in terms of how they've sort of. I mean, they've sort of started the season alright in terms of ups and downs. I think. I think they lost two games before the international break, so it's a win that they needed. Um, yeah, I just I, I didn't really expect them to get anything out of the, the Swansea game. So yeah. Just, such a shock, but we've we've spoke about it on here haven't we? It's the the unpredictability of the Championship and more so with no
1: fans as well. I lost my train of thought, sorry everybody. (laughs) Uh, Who do you see going down from the Championship at the minute? Given what you've seen so far. I think Wickham
0: are your number one candidates. Um, I think Sheffield Wednesday are going to sort of be okay. Even with their yeah. um, points deduction, you know they obviously got to win again this weekend. So they're they're minus four
1: now. Um, yeah, they've, they've made up eight points already from. Yeah, what exactly. They so
0: I think they'll sort of be fine. Um, I think Barnsley always sort of there or thereabouts down there. Uh, yeah. Possibly Rotherham and sort of Coventry as well. So sort of yeah. your, your newly promoted size, added in with Barnsley. Um, and I think for now I can't really sort of because it's so early on.
1: But I think that that sort of yeah.
0: three or four teams will be
1: you know down there. Do you do you think there's a big gap between Championship and League One club? Well, so, well, let me rephrase that. Do you think there's a gap between Championship and certain League One clubs?
0: Because
1: uh, could you see the likes of? Because obviously I, I want to talk about League One a bit, yeah. in a second, but which have started off well, Hullab are currently doing well. Peterborough picked up some big results, even without the likes of Ivan Tony there. However, the team, three teams that have come up this summer don't look that great. Do, do you think it's a bit of hit and miss of who comes up from League One? Yeah,
0: I think your uh, sort of average Championship teams are sort of well. There's like a big bracket, I suppose, of like probably like. 18, 18 sort of sixteenth, eighteenth teams in the championship that are all sort of on the same level. Um, there's always yeah. sort of three to six that are sort of better than everyone else and they're, you know, pushing for the Premier League and then you've got the promoted teams that have just come up from League One as well. I think yeah, I think there is a bit of a gulf, especially you, you know, if you like last season, if you had a look at last season, you've got you know, things like Leeds and West Brom and then you have teams like Charlton and um yeah. I'm not it's William. Well, well, Chal- Charlton. Um, yeah. Barnsley. Well, yeah. Lugan. So you've got, and and it's not even the, the difference in players; it's the difference in wage budgets as well. And you know, so mm. yeah, I think it's it's always going to be a tough ask. Yeah, uh, being promoted from League One and staying in the Championship. It's you know the budgets are very varied in the Championship. Um The quality of player again is very varied. So yeah, it's it's sort of, it's sort of a, like if you can stay up and sort of build a squad for the championship and try and drive more money in then you, you're you going to be alright but I think that first season if you can stay up is key
1: Yeah um, Moving on to League One now as I said it would um, We'll start at the bottom because it was a big win for MK Dons yesterday because they have started off pretty poorly for that, that league um, Can you could you see them potentially going back to league two this year?
0: Um I can. I think like you said, today's
1: today's game. Yesterday's game was a big result. Um yeah.
0: Gillingham were going quite well, you know, fairly well. So they needed to pick points up. Um they yeah, I think they they could be down in league two. Um I just think early doors, you know. There's not many sort of I think there's more so in League One and League Two that anyone can beat anyone. But if you get yourself on sort mm. of a run of fixtures where you don't pick up points, then you know, you've sort of been like a dog fight. Yeah.
1: Um another defeat for Wigan mm-hmm. yesterday. Um away to Charlton, yeah, yeah. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um where uh, I'm, I'm going to sort of tie this into the next, the, the sort of the next topic I want to talk about after League One football. But can you see them folding without a bailout from the Premier League? Yeah, um, I
0: think you know more Premier League teams need to help teams in the lower leagues, especially you know sort of grassroots football as well. Uh, you know, I think. I don't know if people saw it, but I think on social media, Gary Neville was talking about Project Power and the fact that he was embarrassed that it was like over a billion pounds have been spent on transfers and we can't even bail clubs out.
1: You know? Can you can you explain to me what his project is? Because I've not heard anything.
0: What from? Oh,
1: from him. Yeah, because he apparently he's he's got an idea. Or I'm not sure what or his or idea was. He was just
0: obviously talking about the the project from the one that we mentioned on the live where the top clubs would sort of have the effects yeah. and he was saying he was obviously against it and he was saying it is obviously embarrassing the fact that all this money was being spent on transfers and we can't even help clubs out. I don't know what his own project is. I don't know. I've not seen it on the sale part. I'm to have to look into it and then obviously talk about it on the live on the next pod but yeah. he was just saying he was basically disgusted yeah. in terms of all this money was being spent and there was just... You know, if teams are prepared to spend millions and pounds on transfers, you know, they can't even bail, you know, the core clubs. You know, I think,
1: right. you know,
0: so I can, I can see that happening, yeah. But I mean, I, I don't want it to happen. You know, I think we should, I think me and you, especially, no, have touched about Wigan and how we want them to, to do well and stay as a club.
1: I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here because, uh, well, I would have done this at some point with both you and green at the same time. Um, Obviously project big picture, which was the plan for the premier league to be reduced to 18 teams. They were going to invest 250 million to the lower league football straight away. Obviously has failed, which is why I made the quip about project diva. Um, (laughs) What do you think needs to be done to help League 1 and League 2 clubs? Is it a case of just give them the money now and they change the parachute payments in the way that it's done so that it's spread out more evenly between mainly Leagues 1 and 2? Because the majority of the championship clubs are self-sustainable. You know, you've you've had the issues with Sheffield Wednesday and selling their ground to themselves, and the you know, sort of the issues with Derby about it, and a couple of others as well. But a lot of those clubs are quite self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. But it's more the League One, League Two clubs that need the fans in to help boost their their income. What what do you think needs to be done straight away to sort of get the effect? Yeah, market? I
0: think the, I think the money's got to be given to them sort of sooner rather than later. Um... I think the problem is there's such a gulf in terms of money. I think Premier League, you look at the money being spent and then you look at clubs in League Two are literally on their arse and they've got nothing. Um, So I think distributing the money out evenly between the leagues would be more, well, it's fairer, it's more sustainable as well. Um, You know, and I think we've got to do more in this sport, you know, because there's so much money involved in the Premier League and you know, in, in the game, and yet League One, League Two teams are struggling so much. So, and not even League One and Two, you, you've got to look beyond that as well. You know, your non-League teams, even grassroots football, you know, yeah. I think it could have more sort of, sort of done to it. I know that obviously years ago they sort of pumped a bit more money into grassroots and stuff, but I think, yeah, I think spreading spreading out evenly is, is the key, and I think giving them the money, and then you know, it's, I suppose it's up to them. And it's sort of to them what they do with it. Um, whether they invest it into, you know, the the, cl- the club, or whether they buy players, or whether they pay their wages, or they pump it into the ground or the academy, or you know, whatever they want to do with it. But yeah. I think it's got. I think evenly is the best thing, really. You know, you can't be having you can't be having you know, Premier League clubs spending billions of pounds, and then League Two teams can't even play their players. It's it's just contradictory at the end of the
1: day. Do you think as well, then, that they should change the ownership tests that they so that they're actually a lot stricter with it. Yeah. And if, you know, if it's a case that the owner isn't good enough and they need to find some investor to change it, then they are sort of... So the the way I'm I'm thinking of it is they put the club into administration Mm. and get rid of the owner, but then the EFL itself deals with the administration, so that they they will invest money into sort of like a bailout. There's a bailout to sort of keep the club afloat while they get an investor in but then they can sort of do a due due diligence on the new owner coming in to make sure it's a case of, well, we've given you 30 million to see yourself through the rest of the year. Um, Are you just going to take that and run, or are you actually going to invest it wisely? And I think that's where, you know, could you see something like that being beneficial to clients? Yeah, I
0: think... Get better them out is, is obviously the first and foremost thing that needs to happen, otherwise, they're going to go under. Um, but I think, like you said, you've got to verify who's coming in in terms of they can't just be you yeah. know anyone. I think the fact that you know, I'm, I'm not sure what what it's like in the business world where people go to buy like a, a business or go to buy a new business, I don't know whether they have to get a verified or something like that. I'm sure, I'm sure not just anybody can buy a business. Um, well, you probably can't, I
1: don't know. But, uh... Well, you, you probably have to put a decent amount of investment into it first to, to be able to sustain yourself, get the tools, the staff, yeah. and the equipment that you need to sort of run your business to create yeah. the product you're selling. Um, and, you know, it's a case of then once that, you know, once you've been given that loan, you sort of then start paying it back. But at a decent sort of rate, or business rate that doesn't fold you because you've not had a, a good year um, That that's how I understand you know, yeah I think
0: football's well you know like we said football's ultimately a business as well so it sort of has the same blueprint for that as well you know you can't can't just have anyone buying a an yeah. football club because you, you don't know what they'll do with it. You know, it's unpredictable. You know, you look at their wicked situation and things like that. And it's not just the first yeah. time these sort of things have happened. I know we've obviously touched on it before. So, there needs to be some sort of, you know, protocols where, you know, they can verify their identity and their background and, you know, maybe even their background in terms of football or owning a football club or, you know, part ownership, etc. you know. Who knows? But... I think something has got to be done because obviously more and more clubs, especially in the EFL, not so much the Premier League, are getting done over by dodgy owners or people trying to find loopholes, etc. So yeah, I think the EFL has to do something in terms of changing that sort of, both the bailout process for clubs going into administration and also the validity of owners and their identity and you know just making sure that they're not sort of crooked or dodgy.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, that's pretty much it for today, I think. Um, Obviously, we've not had the input of the uh, not so famous one, which is why it seems to have gone a lot quicker than it has. Um, Now, for the plugs. Um, Obviously, thank you for those of you that are listening. Um, Please like our page on Facebook, please share around the pod. Um, leave comments or likes or reviews or whatever you find or wherever you find your podcast or this podcast on um, if you'd like to email me um, it is after extra time 2020 at gmail.com and that's X-T-R-A um, I'm not going to be <laughs> desperate to get an email um, I, will, I will just say uh, hopefully one of you that does listen to this will just send an email to say hi so that you're listening, we'd love to hear it. Um, we will be back hopefully on Friday. Um, the Diva will be making an appearance. Um, otherwise, I think Jack and I are going to go on strike because we're just going to get fed yeah. up trying to carry him through this. Um, next week, hopefully, we will have a um. A ch- well, hopefully our, our schedule will go back to normal where Greeny will host it, he will bring on a guest and it will either be someone who's playing out in the States, which I'm quite interested to find out how that works because he's not in the MLS but he plays for the USA yeah, Championship I, I think... which I, I don't know what... I think it's a championship I
0: think to... but I'm not, I can't be confident right. that, so I don't know
1: now, and that's, that, that's what I want to sort of talk to him about there. And, and hopefully, we may have a South African international on at some point in the next um, few weeks. So that'll be good. Um, thank you, Jack, as ever, for your contribution to this. Always as always. Good, yeah. thank you for sure. obviously hosting
0: it again. Standing, Project Dealer claps again. again. So I'll,
1: I'll yeah, just get used to it,
0: mate. I to think, be honest, uh, um, we've got that sense of being uh, let down once again. So, yeah.
1: well, we'll, we'll do our own project. We'll, we'll call it so it's stupid yeah. and we'll start with it. Project Fuck the Diva.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. that'd be brilliant. Um, so, anyway, I've been your host, Jacko. Um, thank you very much for listening, as always. And we will see or we'll, thank we'll you or speak to you next time.